Well, here I am again. Um, it was cool. Uh, I was actually um, just hanging out at the church today and, you know, working. And um, a friend of ours uh, came up and was just talking with us in the bookstore. And he reminded me of a verse, and I was just contemplating it, really meditating on it when I was uh, driving home. And I was... Um, I was just in my bedroom, just hanging out, uh, preparing the worship for tonight and so on, which pretty much half the stuff that I prepared, I didn't even play. So that was cool. But I randomly get this text message from one of my one of my kids that I used to disciple, and uh, he just kind of fell away, I guess you can say, really just not living the lifestyle he should. And he texted me just saying, Brian, pray for me. And I was like, what's wrong? I texted him back, what's wrong? And he said, man, it's that girl stuff again, man. Like, I hate, I hate this and so on. And I was just contemplating and thinking about it. Like, well, what's wrong? And he said, well, how do I know if, like, how do I find the one for me? Like, I'm tired of playing games, and I'm tired of just looking all the time, and of all these, all, all these like, girls, and just really, it's out there. I, I, hate, I hate it, Brian. Like, he's just kind of confessing a little bit and just telling me that he's having a hard time, and he really wants the one for him, so that way he can, um, so that way he thinks life would be great, and... And life is done for him, and he gets to enjoy the one for him, and that's it. When truly, it's not it. Nothing on this planet is ever going to satisfy you at all. And I'm not married yet. And I know I've, I've been mentored by so many men, and they've told me, you know what? Nothing on earth will, ne- will ever satisfy you. You think your wife is going to satisfy you? She will to a certain extent. But it's not going to be enough because this world is full of sin. This world is sin. And so nothing will never, ever, ever satisfy you. And so I was telling him the same thing that I've been taught by just these godly men. Hey, it's not going to satisfy you, man. What you need to do is you need to dwell in the place of the Lord. And the reason why I picked that last song, you know, better is one day in your courts. It's because it's true. Better is one day in his courts than thousands elsewhere. And my life scripture reflects on that. My life scripture is Colossians 3, 2. It sets your minds on the heavenly things, not the earthly things. And it's so true. And I, I, I've tried to do this. I, I try to do this and make this a part of my life every single day, really setting my mind in heaven where God is, where I can have fellowship with Him, where I can pray and I can hang out with Him. And it's worked time after time. It's really worked for me. Those of you, it might not work for a lot of you. I know each of you have your own life scripture that you know speaks to you powerfully, and this is mine that I'm just sharing, but that's not the thing I want to focus on. I I just pretty much told him, look, Psalm 119, 9. And so he flipped there, and then, you know, he read it, and then he got back to me and kind of asked me some questions, like, 
did, did David write this? I'm like, no, it's just a psalmist. He died already. And so he's just, he just was impacted by the scripture, I guess. And what it says here in Psalm 119, verse 9, it says, How can a young man cleanse his way by taking heed according to your word? Pretty much saying, how can a man, how can a person, how can a, how can a woman of God or a man of God be pure? How can, I, how can I walk through this life and go through this life being pure? It's through your word, the psalmist replies back. And it truly is. It's through the word of God. This book is so amazing. It's wonderful. Sometimes I can't even fathom, my, I can't even fathom it. God would graciously, mercifully even give us direction to life. Even give us his word. What? Who does that? It's almost saying if I if I had if I had the recipe for the newest invention that's going to surpass Microsoft and Apple and all these things, would I share it with everyone? Nope. Not at all. I would keep it to myself. I would store it away, build my little gadget and be a millionaire. That's what I would do. But no, God graciously gave us his word. Can he take it and store away and never give it to us? Yeah, he could have done that. But no, he mercifully, graciously gives gives this book to us so we would know how to walk this life. And isn't that an amazing thing? A lot of us take the word of God for granted. Did you know there's people around the world who would die just to read a scripture? Just to, just to, just to, if you were to just give them a page of, out of your Bible, that would make their life. That would make their day. And yet here, look at all of us in SoCal with flip-flops on and shoes and clothes and you know, the Bible in our, pa- in our hand, in our pants, in our pockets, in our car, on the dresser. We have it everywhere. We're surrounded by it. And we take it for granted. And so I told this kid, hey, you don't, look it, don't worry about the girl thing. Don't worry about the relationship. What you need to do is commit yourself to the word of God and to the fellowship in God. And if you read all the way down to verse, I believe it's 15 and 16, it talks about this commitment that, that the psalmist is writing. Like, I'm going to read, I'll, like the word means everything. I'm just going to commit myself to it. And I'm just going to dwell in it. And it's so true. And I told him that. I said, hey. Don't worry about the girls. Don't worry about life. Worry about how you can get to know God intimately. And we've experienced that last week, and it was wonderful. And so I was just telling this kid, man, you need to soak your mind in the Word of God. But Brian, I, don't, I can't remember Scripture, or I can't remember the origins of the Bible. It's okay, as long as you're focused 
and you keep reading, God's going to help you retain all that stuff. You don't need to worry about, I can't remember this, or I can't say these verses, or preach that, or do any of these things. You don't need to, you don't need to worry about those things. You just need to worry about your relationship with God, your time you're spending with God, and how you pray to God. And it's so important. To me, about three years ago, I found myself, it's kind of ridiculous, but I'll just tell you, where I met God, where I would really just praise Him and actually just like actually sing and maybe do a little, you know, a little get, you know, dance or whatever. It's, I'm going to humiliate myself right now, but it's in the shower. Like, that's where I find, that's where I just, man, I'm free. I'm just set free from the world. I'm just like, woo! Like, I'm in the shower, and I'm just like, hoping, you know, I'm, I'm holding this, like, fake microphone in my hand, like, yeah, Hosanna, baby! I'm just going off, you know? And that was like, that was my spot, because that's where I was most relaxed. That's where that's where nothing entered my mind except God. All I can do is think about God. For me, I need to be relaxed, need to be calm in order to meet my God face to face. Psalms tells us to be still and know He is God. And that's where my place was. Now my place is actually at church when I'm cleaning and I'm just really focusing like, man, I got to get the 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 temple of the lord ready for his people man lord what do you want me to do how do i do this and that's my place now but before it was there it was where i was relaxed where i was just i guess you can say laid back and notice that adam's place in the garden of eden where he was relaxed where he walked with god and was just kicking it he didn't have the worries or the troubles of the world and that's where he met God time after time. And so my encouragement is, man, if you feel a little down or you feel like you're not at God's level or you can't communicate with him because of your sin, remember one thing, you are forgiven. I remember someone telling me this, like, they came to me and they, they mentioned the scripture and they said, Brian, the one who's been forgiven much loves much. And I pondered that and I was like, man, that's so true. Because I've done much, very much. And I'm ashamed of my past. And I've done mucho, man, like grande, huge. But that shows me how much I love God now because he's forgiven me of all that. And so those of you that are in here, if you're bummed, hey, don't be bummed. It's okay. You're forgiven. Just think about your past and how God has wiped all that away. He took an eraser and just wiped it away. It's no more. It's not there. All you need to do now is walk with him talk with him spend some quality intimacy time with him that's what it takes you want to be rejuvenated you want to be refreshed go spend time with god by yourself and josh has preached this multiple times and i and i tell kids this all the time hey don't come to me 
Go spend time with God first and then you come to me. You get it? If any of you here are leaning on a person so much and you just, you're just so dependent on a person, let's just say a pastor or a friend, that person will never ever satisfy you nor give you the words that's going to help everything go away. Never. Josh will never satisfy you. Trust me. I know him. I will never satisfy you. Trust me. I know myself. The only person that satisfies is God. He's the only one. And so take heed to that. If you're bummed out, go spend some time with him. Please. Go in your closet or something. Me, to be honest, I like I like to when I when I when I feel like man I'm just I, I have this huge load on my shoulders and I need to release it or get it off my chest, this burden, I I just quietly go in my room, I kneel down, I get on my face, and I say, Lord, please speak to me. And that's it. And I'll stay there for like a good, you know, 20, 30 minutes. But all of a sudden, it's just all coming off me. It really is. You know, like coals and how they burn and you get you have all these flash or these ashes, flashes, ashes, just, you know, kind of fly away as it burns and it burns and it burns. That's how I feel when I'm kneeling down. I'm quiet and I just I just sit there. I feel like this sin, the burden that's just on my shoulders, just flying away. It's quickly just blowing away from me. In the same sense, man, try it out. It's awesome. It's wonderful. It's grand in the in the words of John Corson. It really is. And so those of you that are seeking, those of you that are impatient and you want a godly man or a godly woman, sit still, relax. God's got it. He'll take care of it. You don't need to worry about it. You just need to worry about what I can do for Jesus in this time and in this moment. You don't need that stuff right now. Obviously, because he hasn't brought it to you yet. So obviously, you don't need it. You're still being prepared for it. And that's how I've always looked at it. So relax. Hang loose. Kick it. Enjoy God. Because we're going home soon. We really are. I can't wait. I can't wait till we actually get rapture and we're in heaven. And we're just... We made it. I can't believe it. I can't wait. That's why I'm always trying to think about heaven, setting my mind on the things above. You know, and we're going to see God in his glory, and we're going to worship him. Man, we're all going to have just, like, amazing voices. It's like, man, what you got on us, Mariah Carey? You ain't got nothing on us. Crystal Lewis? I'm up to your level now. Don't worry. I got you. That's how it's going to be. It's going to be grand. It's going to be phenomenal. It's going to be amazing. So don't, tr- don't let the 
world trouble you. Don't let because you don't have a certain thing or a certain person trouble you. Those are the least things you should be worried about. You should worry about, man, what can I do for God? How can I put on Jesus today? And how can I make him known? How can I glorify him today? That's the most important thing. And so, man, let that stress release from you. Don't hang on to it. You know, it's almost like, it's almost like those kids, like those, you know, those emo kids that like, you know, they just love to hurt for some reason. They just hang on to the pain and they just keep hanging on and they like to hurt for some reason. Man, don't be like them. Let it go. Let it go. It's not going to edify you, nor will it build you up, nor will it produce fruit from your life. Hey, a good tree bears good fruit. A good tree does not bear bad fruit. Right? John 14. So be a good tree and produce some good fruit. Don't worry about the bad fruit. Worry about how you can produce the good fruit here and now. Amen? Amen. Okay. Special guest speaker. Good. I, I gave him tons of time. It's actually me. I'm just kidding. It's not me. Because <laughs> I only got one awe, so that proves that I'm not a good speaker. So, <laughs> no, I'm not doing that for some awes. But, man, it's going to be... It's going to be off the hook, off the hizzle. It's going to be like, man, like, put, let's just put it this way. Strap on your Air Force Ones and get ready to stop because it's going to be amazing. The re- only reason why I'm saying this is because this person said he's going to get me some. <laughs> so Aaron Stevens, why don't you come up? He is our guest speaker. And let me, let me give a quick introduction to, of who Aaron is and how I met him and all these things. Man, Aaron is just my faithful brother. I remember, he, I remember when I first started the college and career ministry, The Well, and I was always helping out, setting up chairs by myself, you know, and people would say, yeah, I'll be there at 6 o'clock to help you, and it was just always me, and I would do it all the way up until, you know, 6.30, 6.45, just really, you know, okay, I, I guess I'm doing all of it then, you know, then I would just keep going, and then Aaron one day came in, and he was just like, hey, do you need help? I was like, and I saw his, I saw his shirt, and it said Pepsi on I'm like, oh, this guy, he can move stuff. <laughs> he's got to be able to move stuff, man, and so I was like, yeah, man. And he's like, what time, you, what time do you usually set up? I'm like, well, 6 o'clock, 6.30. And so he's been faithful to me and to the ministry ever since that day. He just started coming, started helping, setting up chairs. And next thing you know it, he's doing devos at, you know, the war nights that we have. And next thing you know, he's involved with the basics ministry. Or is it growth, health, or basics? Yeah growth class health what did i say health for (laughs) yeah it is for your health see i love it man he's my he's my wingman but 
He was so faithful from that point on. And everything, pretty much he would come up to me every, every day, even till this day. Hey, Brian, what do you need? Do you need help? What do you need to do? Hey, there's only two tables there. Isn't there supposed to be three? Like he knows the layout. He knows what needs to happen. And he would come up to me just to, you know, just to clarify things. And then he would just go and attack. Just, all right, give me your keys. And I'd give him my keys. And he'd just go and take care of everything. And he's just been so faithful. And now he's running the usher ministry that the well has. It's just, it's unbelievable how, how he's just come along and just really God's been working through him and in him. And he teaches now. And he's just encouraging people and really um, investing his time in a lot of people by taking by bringing people to basics. Um, you probably kill me if I tell you. Well, you better kill me, man. He would when people get saved and stuff. Like he would actually talk to them and say, "Hey, you need to go to basics." And he would literally drive and pick people up, take them to basics, sit down with them in basics. Everything he already knows and waits with them. Bees, he's just in their life until. That night is done, and he does it all, and he does the same thing again next Monday. Takes them again, goes to basics, and he would sit through basics with these people, these individual, all the way up until they graduate basics and gets, you know, they get their certificate and so on. And he would do this. He would invest so much time into people, and I can't believe it. And that's a godly man right there, and we need to take, we need to take heed to that. We need to... We need to apply these things in our life, man. And I know I'm embarrassing him, but I don't care because he's awesome. And, man, I would just want to kiss him sometimes, you know. <laughs> Greet a brother with a holy kiss, man. And I'll... <laughs> but that's how much he means to me. He's just faithful. If one word can, 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 can describe Aaron Stevens, it's, man, faithful. And that's why I love him. And, man... Again, put on those Air Force Ones. Get ready to stomp through this chapter with them because it's going to be amazing. So without further ado, yeah, you got tons of time. Aaron Stevens, everyone. Let me tell you how good Brian is. Brian is great. He really is, but that's all I'll say tonight. Uh, tonight, we're going to be in Acts. I'm not Acts. I'm sorry. I'm so used to saying Acts. Uh, we're going to be in Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 22. Jeremiah chapter 22. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. And all you guys turn there. I want to just uh, share with you a story I read of. Ooh, I'm sorry. I'm going to move this. It says... Uh, Imagine, if you will, that you work for a company whose president uh, finds it necessary that he wants to travel and that he's going to travel. And he goes away, and he gets, gets his plane tickets, and he, uh, he gets set to travel, and he makes his, uh, his destination, marks his destination, and he takes off. And uh, he says he's going to be gone for a while, and as he's gone for a while, I want you to pay close attention to the business. I want you to make sure that everything's maintained, that everything is, uh, is working in sync, and everything is, uh, is going, going well. So... He says, also, when I, when, I, when I leave, I'm going to send you letters, and I'm going to instruct you on what you need to do so you make sure that you're on top of things and, and that, you just, uh, that you receive the information that you need to receive so that you can, you can make sure that the business continues and it doesn't just fall to the ground. So as he leaves, 
he's gone and he's gone for a few days, a couple weeks, and then a couple weeks turns into a couple months, a couple months turns into a couple years. And uh, all of a sudden, or all through this time, he's, uh, he's writing letters, communicating the things that you know, he wants done, his desires, his concerns. And then finally he returns. He shows up to the business, he walks up to the front door, and he, he looks at the, the business. The windows are all shattered. You know, the weeds are all in the, in the planters. No one's been taking care of the, uh, the building, the facilities. The flower beds are all, all, don't even look like flowers anymore, just like bins of dirt. And uh, as he goes to the front of the building, he approaches in, and he, he sees the, the assistant or the, um, the secretary. She's just she's dozing off, and down the hallways he can hear this loud music just, just playing, and no one's really paying attention to what they're supposed to be doing. And instead of making a, and he sees that the, the business, that it flops, it's going bad. And instead of making a profit, that the business actually went the opposite way and it's starting to, to, to turn and it's starting to go down. And without hesitation, he calls everyone into the meeting room and he says, what happened? Didn't you guys get my letters? And all of them turned to him like, yeah, we got your letters. They're, they're great. You know, we, um. We got them. We, we put them in a book. We bound them up. It's a nice book. It has a nice cover and everything. It's like, well, and, you know, some of us even, we even memorize some of the letters. You know, we would get together, and we, we open this book, and we even, we read it every Sunday, and it's, it's good. It's great. And he asked, well, what did you do about my instructions? And, then, and with no doubt, the employees would respond, do. Well, nothing. Well, we read every one. And that's sometimes how we can be as Christians, that we can have this book, we can have instructions, we can have the things that we need to do to be successful, to make sure that our lives are, are going in the right direction. But we, we read them, we memorize them, but a lot of times we don't apply them to our lives. We're not obedient to what the scriptures say. And uh, as we get into Jeremiah chapter 22 tonight, we see disobedience, and we see what God, what God does with disobedience. So before we go into the chapter, would you guys pray with me? Father, I just, uh, we ask that you would just come to this place, Lord, that you would meet us here as we open your word that you would speak to us, that you would speak to us individually, Lord, that, that you would show us areas of our lives where, uh, where we need to, to change so that we can be more like you, so that we can serve you in a greater capacity, Lord, that we can walk with you more closely and, and in a, just with greater passion and greater, greater desire to, to seek after you daily. Lord, I pray that you, would just, uh, that you would speak through me, Lord, that if anything I say is just not of you, that no one would even remember what it was that I said. But if there is things that, are, that you want to speak to the people, Lord, I pray that they would hear it that they would take it in and they would uh, use it and they would apply it to their daily lives. So Lord, we just commit this time to you. We pray that you would, just, that you would speak and that you would be glorified tonight. And it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. It's tough to see. So uh, like I said, Jeremiah chapter 22. And we'll just uh, we'll read verse 1 through verse 5. It says, Thus says the Lord, Go down to the house of the king, to the house of the king of Judah, and speak there this word. And say, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you and your servants and your people who enter these gates. Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has been robbed and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless and the widow, nor shed innocent blood, nor shed innocent blood in this place. For if you will indeed obey this word, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. But if you will not obey these words, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. <laughs> so we see here that the Lord uh, 
speaks to the prophet Jeremiah, and he tells him to, to go. He says, go, to the, go down to the house of the king of Judah. And just right off the bat, we can kind of just skip over that, like, go down to the house of the king of Judah. That's, he's talking about going to the king's house. Like, that would be like going to the president's house, telling the prophet to go to the president's house. Imagine if the Lord told you to go to the president's house because he has a word for him. Like, it would be like a hard thing. But to Jeremiah, it wasn't a hard thing because he, he knew of the things that God has done in his life. He looked at the things that God has done in the past. I mean, we read just in the beginning of this book in Jeremiah chapter 1 and chapter 1 verse 9. Um, we read that Jeremiah says, Then the Lord touched out or reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, Now I put my words in your mouth. And it's, it's good to know that, that the Lord equips us. It's not us of ourselves that we have to go and do certain things. If the Lord calls us to something, he's going to equip us for it. He's not going to, you know, just send us into battle with no, no armor or no gear, no, no, no tools to be successful. He gives us the tools to be successful. And for us, the tool to be successful is, is, is our word, is the word of God. It's, it's applicable, applicable in every situation of our lives. It's, it's what we need to be successful. And Jeremiah, he knew, he knew the word of the Lord. He could recognize the word of the Lord. And when the Lord told him to go do something, he was faithful to do it. He was obedient. So... I mean, we're, we're all called to do something. We're all called to, to be his, his disciples, to go into the world and to preach the gospel, to share this, this truth that we've been given, the truth of salvation. So go. Go preach. Don't look at it as a hard thing to do as, as going to the king's house or going here or going there. Know that the Lord has equipped you. Go to your schools, to your job, to, to your house, even the, the pew at your church. You know, be used of God. Preach the gospel. Preach truth as Jeremiah did, and we continue to read what he read, or what the truth was that the Lord gave him. So he said in, in verse 2, and say, hear the word of the Lord, O king of Judah. So the Lord tells Jeremiah to go speak to the king and say, hear the word of the Lord. And that word for hear in the original language is, uh, is Shema, and it means to hear or to listen to, but also to obey. Not just to hear, you know, audibly, but to obey, to take it in, to, to listen to it, to, to obey it. So the Lord, the Lord tells Jeremiah to to say to the king, listen and obey the words that he's given to you. And he continues by pointing out that he's the, the king that sits on the throne of David. And when you hear the throne of the David, or the, the throne of David, I mean, if you're, you know, Bible students, we recognize that, that it's a, referring to a promise, that the, the covenant promise, the Davidic, the Davidic covenant that God made with David, that there would be someone on his throne to, to reign forever. And that promise is found in 2 Samuel 17. It says, when your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish his throne of his kingdom forever. God points out that, that this king that he's speaking to is sitting on his throne because of the promise that he made to David. And it's important for us to recognize that, that whatever position we may, we may be in, whether you know, financially, socially, just, just maybe in our, in our jobs, wherever we're at, it's because the Lord put us there. It's not because of, because of anything we've done. Just like this king here, he's sitting on the throne of David. He's sitting on the throne of David because the Lord ordained him to be there. The Lord put him there. So I kind of see it as, as, the, as, the Lord's, as God reminding the king that he's in the position he's in because, because, he's, because God himself put him there. And I know that I need to remind him where I'm at in my life is because God put me here. It's nothing that I've done. I mean, Brian, you know, talked all that stuff earlier, but it's nothing that I've done. It's nothing that, 
that I've done in, in and of myself that allowed me to do the things that I've done. It's only by the power of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that I'm even having the desire to do the things that I do. Otherwise, I'd, just, I'd be that same old cat that I was before, just wilding out, acting fool, just being dumb and, and doing whatever I wanted to do. But by the power of God, I'm in the position that I'm in now. And we're all in the positions that we're in now, that we're all in the state that we are in today because the Holy Spirit has came into our lives. If you've accepted Christ, if you've received him as your Lord and Savior, you're in the spot that you are today because the Holy Spirit put you there, because God put you there, and he's enabled you to do what it is that he's called you to do. So in the last half of verse 2, he says, uh, he says uh, uh, let's start with 2, I guess. He says, uh, and say, hear the word of the Lord, O King of Judah, who sits on the throne of David, you the king, and your servants, and your people who enter these gates. So he's, he's refer, God's referring to all the people, to, to, all, to everyone. And um, as a king, as a, as a king his, or his, his responsibility to, was to, to rule over the people, to have authority over the people. I mean, God, he laid out these laws a long time ago in the books of Moses. And in the book of Deuteronomy, he talks about all the things that the king's supposed to do. In, in Deuteronomy chapter 17, to be specific, and uh, he talks about the conduct of a king. And actually, one of the things that the Lord pointed out that a king was supposed to do was that he was supposed to handwrite his own copy of the word. That he was supposed to take the, the copy that the priest had, and he's supposed to write it out for himself so that he would know and that he would understand the words that he's written or that the, that the Lord has written and the things that he was supposed to obey. And, uh, and, and in that, and in him writing that, he would, he would understand these things and he would be able to lead the people in, in the proper ways. And, I mean, while we may not be kings called to, to you know, handwrite our own copies of the Scripture, I mean, the Lord has blessed us in the country where we can have our own copies of the Scriptures, so we should know them, just as if we've written them ourselves, just as the Lord has given these words to us directly. I mean, we may not be royalty, but, uh, I mean, in, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, he says, uh, You are a chosen people, a royal, peace, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And I ask you, have you committed yourself to knowing God, to knowing his word, to being that, that royal priesthood that he called you to, to, to understand his word and to be able to apply it to your life, to be able to share it with others? I mean, we should be able to do that. I mean, we are representatives of God. And in order to represent him properly, we've got to know him. And we know him by knowing his word. This is, revealed, this is how he reveals himself to us. And the more we read his word, the more we understand who he is and how he wants to work in our lives and the things that, that he calls us to do. We need to, to hear his word, to shema, as the, the, the Greek word, or the, the Hebrew word would say, shema, to obey the word of the Lord. And let's continue into verse 3. Verse 3 says, Thus says the Lord, do justice and righteousness, and deliver from the hand of the oppressor him who has, who has been robbed, and do no wrong or violence to the resident alien, the fatherless, and the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. I mean, it's sad here that in verse 3 that God has to say to tell his own people that don't do bad things. Don't do wrong. Obey. You know, treat the, the foreigners right. And when speaking of violence in this text, in this verse right here, it's, it refers to, uh, to physical wrong and to, to ethical wrong as well. I mean, God gave, like I said earlier, he gave rules to his people. He gave rules to the king. He gave rules to the people as well. And he showed them and he told them exactly how they're supposed to act. And uh, in, the, in the Torah, that's what the, the Old Testament Jews would have uh, would have been reading was the first five books of the the first five books of the of the of the Bible, and um, he would he set in in place laws that would uh, that would hinder that behavior for him to be for them to be unrighteous or to be uh, to be violent towards towards strangers. For example, in Deuteronomy twenty four seventeen it says, "You shall not pervert the justice due to the sojourner or to the fatherless, 
or to take away the, a widow's garment in a pledge. But you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. When you reap your harvest in your field and you forget a sheaf in the field, do not go back and get it. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. And when you beat olive trees, you shall not go over them again. It shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. And when you gather grapes in your vineyard, you shall not strip it afterward, for it shall be for the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow. God had provision for these people. And just as God cared for the people back then, when he gave them this law, it's the same thing. He wanted his people to, to, to shine, to, be, to stand out, to be someone different. And when it's talking about you know, going, and, going through and cleaning your, or you know, re-going through the, the field again, saying leave like the extras. Leave, don't, don't glean to the edge of your field. Don't use all your resources. Leave it for someone else. Allow God to be glorified in that so that he can bless you. And just as we see happening back here in the scriptures, they were, they were being disobedient. The people were being disobedient to God's word, and the king was being disobedient to God's word. And they got away from the, the things that he's, he gave them, the, the rules that he placed in his word, in the, in the Torah. And as they got away from it, it got easier for them to do what was wrong. It got easier for them to do what is unjust. It got easier for them to, to, to treat the, the foreigner violent. And, I mean, we too can fall in the same way. The more and more we stray away from God's word, the more and more we, we get away from reading his word, from being in his word, from, from dedicating time to, to know him and to know his word, and not only that, but to applying it to our lives, it gets easier to, to, to do what's wrong. I mean, you can ask anybody who's, who's backslidden or who has been backslidden, what was, what was one of the things were you doing? Were you reading your word? Were you, were you praying? Were you in fellowship with God? And they'd be like, no, I wasn't doing any of those things. And that's, it, it sets you up for failure. When the more and more we stray away from God's word, the easier it is for us to fall. It's easy for the enemy to attack when we don't have our guard up. So, I mean, I encourage all of us to, to continue to be in our word. I think that's why it's important for studies like this where we are encouraged to read our Bible every day. And I hope that each and every one of you are reading your Bible every day. That it's just not that you come up on, on Tuesday and that you hear the seventh chapter, but that you're reading it every single day. So that more importantly, more important than what someone tells you from a pulpit once a week is what God tells you every day. So spend time in your word. Spend time with God. Spend time to hear what he's saying to you so that you can apply it to your life, so that you can be obedient, so that you can do what is just, so that you can do what is righteous, so that you can be a, a good representative. I mean, that was the title of my message. I forgot to mention it. Is, is are you a good representative? Are you an obedient representative of God? And that's what we're called to be, obedient representatives of God. So um, let's continue down through uh, in verse 4. Verse 4, he says, For if you will indeed obey this word, then there shall enter, then there shall enter the gates of this house kings who sit on the throne of David, riding in chariots and on horses, they and their servants and their people. But if you will not obey these words... I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that this house shall become a desolation. <laughs> so we see that, that there's an if and a then statement there. And I mean, for, I mean, for me, I like, I'm a math head. I like math. And, and those words in math would mean a conditional statement. If you are obedient, then. If you are obedient, then the Lord will bless. If we're obedient, then the, then the Lord will do the things that, I mean, he's our heavenly father. Think of it as that situation, a relationship between a son and a father. Say if a son, if he's doing everything that the father asks him, he's, he's cleaning his room, he's getting good grades, he's taking out the trash, he's mowing the lawn, isn't it easy for the father to bless him? Isn't it easy for the father to, to, you know, to, to buy him that bike or to, you know, to, to take him out to the movies or, or make, take him out to his favorite restaurant? It's easy for the father to do that because the son's being obedient. But if the son's being disobedient, and the son's not doing what he's supposed to do, if he's getting bad grades, if he's not honoring his mother and father, if he's, if he's you know, not doing his chores and not doing the things that he's supposed to do, the father will discipline him. 
not saying that the father doesn't love him, but the father disciplines because he loves him and he wants him to be on the right track. And just as we see here, the Lord says that, you know, if you, if you are disobedient, I will make your house a desolation. He says, I will make this house a desolation. Remember, he's in the king's house. He says, if you are disobedient, I will make this house a desolation. I like how the, the, the New Living Translation puts it. It says, I will bring this, this palace to rubble. It just like everything will just crumble. And anything that we do in disobedience to God, I mean, we see the end of it. It's destruction. It's rubble. It's nothing. It's nothing worth the value. But the things that we do in obedience to God, that's where the true treasure is. We store up treasure in heaven, the Bible says. So do things in obedience to God, not because we just we, we, we're, we're being obedient so that we can receive the blessings of God, so that we can receive the good things of God. Be obedient just because he's our father, because he loves us, because he saved us from so great a destiny that to have that separation from him. He saved us from that so that we can have eternity in heaven with him, so that we can experience heaven where there's no crying, no pain, no fear. Who, who wouldn't want to serve a God like that? We should serve him out of obedience and out of love. And uh, it says also that, that, the, that they were, the people will ride on chariots. I mean, I was looking at that like, the kings and the people will ride on chariots and on horses. Like, what does that mean? Like, no one's going to walk anymore? Like, I mean, I know they had to walk a lot in the Old Testament, so... Well, if they were obedient, then they would have just, you know, prosperity and blessing that no one would have to walk. I mean, what does that mean for us? That if we're obedient, that we'll all have cars and we'll all be riding on 20 foes and bumping the systems and stuff like that? <laughs> nah, and I mean, the text isn't saying that. I mean, just like we explained, like the like a relationship between a father and a son, if we're obedient, it allows him to bless us. It allows us to put us in a, in a place of blessing. So Jeremiah tells the people, if you obey, and if, if you obey, then, then the Lord will bless and to ride on chariots and to ride on horses is a place of dignity. Uh, dignity. I'm sorry. And if we obey the Lord, if we seek to do what he tells us to do in his word, to be obedient to that, we will have a place of dignity. We will have a place of, of, of right standing with God and with men. And so the more and more we obey the word of God, we maintain our dignity, and we can consider ourselves to be, to be proper representatives of God. He's a great God. We should represent him rightly. And the way we represent him rightly is by knowing his word and being obedient to it. So let's continue through to verse 5. In verse 5, it says, But if you will not obey these words, I'm sorry, I said, uh, I will swear by myself, declares the Lord. I thought it was cool here, like the Lord, he, he says, I'll swear by myself. And I just paints a picture in my mind, like I had a friend back in the day, like he would always swear, like he, would, like he was just trying to prove that what he was saying was valid, like, I'm like, man, he's like, oh, I got a brand new bike, and I got some new J's. I'm like, oh, for real? He's like, yeah. I'm like, you didn't get no bike. You didn't get no J's. He's like, no, man, I swear. I put that on. I put that on this. I put that on that. And, like, we use that back in the day or as a little kid to, to prove our, our, the truth of our statements. That, you know, I put that on my mom. I put that, I put that, on, put that on this. I put that on everything you got. <laughs> That's what I used to always say because I was lying. But the Lord, he's, he, he declares by himself. He says, I swear by myself. You can't swear no higher than that. He says, it's true. What he's saying is true. If you disobey, I'll bring this house to desolation. And we see that that happens. So when I mean, we continue and we read, uh, read verse 6. Sorry. Verse 6 says, uh, For thus says the Lord concerning the house of Judah, You are like Gilead to me, like, a sum- like the summit of Lebanon. Yet I surely... Yet surely I will make you a, a desert, an uninhabited city. I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choicest cedars and cast them into the fire. 
Lord declares to the king of Judah, he says, you shall be like Gilead to me. And Gilead, and also he says you should be like the summit of Lebanon. Gilead and Lebanon were two high places, two, uh, two high, high mountains. And if you look at a, say if you were just to look at a regular landscape, right, you, one of the first things that you rec- recognize is the high mountains or the high places. God says that his people are to be recognized. They should stand out. Just like as a high mountain would stand out, so are his people to stand out because of their righteousness, because of the things that they do, the way they honor their Lord. And we're to be the same way. We're supposed to stand out as, as high mountains. So it's supposed to be different than, than the rest of the mountains or the rest of the landscape. We're not supposed to blend in with society or blend in with the, with the things that the world tells us to do. We're to stand out, be different, be obedient to God's word. When we're obedient to God's word, it's, it's different than what society expects from us. When, when someone does something wrong to us and we don't go back to, to, to repay that evil ourselves, it's different. It stands out to somebody. It makes it like, why, why aren't you doing, why aren't you coming at me the same way I came at you? And you can say, because I choose to obey my God, because I want to bring glory to my God, because I love my God. And that's, that should be the desires of our hearts, to truly obey God in everything we do. And not just, you know, say it because it sounds good, but to actually live it out, to not just be hearers of it, but to be doers of it. So he says they're to stand out like, a, like, like mountains. They're to stand out like, to him, they're like Gilead and to like, like the, the summit of Lebanon. He says, but yet surely I will make you a, a desert, an uninhabited city. I mean, even although he was, they were supposed to be the standout, they were supposed to stand out and supposed to be different, and they were supposed to be seen among all the nations as, as God's people, for them, being dis, uh, for them being disobedient, he had no problem disciplining them and to making them an, an uninhabited city. I mean, the father will discipline his kids. Just because he says that you're his, just because you've been forgiven, doesn't mean that he's not going to discipline you. When you're wrong, he will discipline you. And here he says that he's going to make them as an uninhabited city. Let's continue in, in verse 7. He talks about how how he will make them a, a desolate city. He says, I will prepare destroyers against you, each with his weapons, and they shall cut down your choicest cedars. And the choicest cedars would have been used for, to build houses and to build homes and to build things. So when they went to the forest, they would cut down like the best trees to build the palaces of the house or to build the king's palace, of course. So when he says that, you know, I will destroy your choicest cedars, that's what he's saying, that I will destroy your house. I mean, echoing what he said in, in verse 5, that he will make his house a desolation if you're disobedient. And the king was disobedient. And then in verse 8, we read, in verse 8, he read, And many nations will pass by this city, and every man will say to his neighbor, Why has the Lord dealt thus with this great city? And they will answer, Because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God, and have worshipped other gods, and have served them. <laughs> it's, it's, it's interesting to note that Everyone who passes by the city, everyone that passes by the city that's been judged or this nation that's been spanked or been disciplined by God, they'll recognize and they'll know. They'll know the reason for it because they were disobedient. Like I think of like times when I was a kid and I would be with my mom. We'd go to like Toys R Us or something. And you'd walk you know, through the store. You'd be all happy and jumping around like, oh, I'm at the toy store. I'm at the toy store. And then you see some kid like just hanging onto the car all sad and just like crying to himself. <laughs> You're like, wait, he's supposed to be happy. Like what's going on? And it's, it's obvious to me, to me and to all the rest of the kids there that that kid was being bad. He was acting up, and his mom disciplined him. That's why he's, he's acting that way. And it's the same thing. Just, just as everybody in the store recognized that that kid that's crying, that kid that's, you know, that's not having pleasure, that kid that's not enjoying the, the surroundings or the environment that he's in, is the same is, is because he's been disobedient and because he's been disciplined. And just as the nation of Israel or just as the king was disobedient, so they would be disciplined. And so it would be obvious to all the nations that, that they were disobedient. I mean, we, uh, we also read, and he says that 
They will answer, because they have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God and worshipped other gods. They have forsaken the covenant of the Lord their God. The word covenant is, is like, a, it's like an agreement. It means like an agreement. The Lord made an agreement with the, peop- the people of Israel. He made an agreement that if they obey his words, that he would be their God and they would be his people. But they forsook that agreement. They denied that agreement. They didn't, they didn't live up to their part of the, of the deal. And because of that, they, uh, they worshipped other gods and they, and they served other gods. They were, they were idol worshippers. They didn't, they didn't worship the true living God. They violated the covenant. So, I mean, God dealt with them as, as those who were violators of his covenant, those that were contrary to himself. He judged them. He, he, he disciplined them. I mean, Exodus 24, 7 talks about the covenant that, you know, that they violated. It says then, then Moses took the book of the covenant and he read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken of, we will do. When, when the covenant was given, it was spoken in the presence of all the people. They all heard it. They all knew the requirements of the covenant. So every individual who had heard it, every individual who, who received it, agreed to it and are guilty now because they, had disobe- they disobeyed it. And we, we've all received the truth. We've all received the, the truth of the scriptures. We all received the way. I mean, everybody in this place pretty much has a Bible. You cannot say that you have not received the truth. You did not receive the, uh, the requirements of the agreement that we've entered into to live a holy and a just life. I mean, fortunately for us... We don't, we don't have that, the same penalty as the, as the people we see here in, in the book of uh, Jeremiah. We're not judged in the same way. Why? Because we have, we've been saved by the blood of Christ. It's not by anything we've done. It's not by anything that, that we can do. It's but by what he's done that we're able to, to pass through that judgment. That he, he's, he's, he's paid the price for us. And because that, I mean, we should live obedient lives. And we should continue to seek to, to, to live out the agreement, to, to live out the covenant that he's made with us. And let's continue. He says in verse 10, weep not for him who was dead, nor grieve for him, but weep bitterly. Weep bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall not return anymore to see his native land. Now it says, weep not for him who's dead, or, or cry not for him who's dead. Like, I mean, who's that talking about? Well, I mean, I was reading through commentaries, and, and what, one of the things that I pulled out was that it was Josiah. Josiah was a righteous king. He was one of the kings that walked in the ways of the Lord. He obeyed the Lord. He was a follower of God. He was righteous in God's sight. And when he passed away, they would, they would lament for them. They would weep. Actually, on every anniversary of his death, they would, they would have like a big ceremony where they would just weep and lament. And Jeremiah took part of this. But Jeremiah here says, weep not for him who was dead or grieve for him. I mean, we don't have to worry about those who have lived righteous lives and that have walked with the Lord and passed away. We know their destiny. We know where they've been. We know where they're going. And 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, yes, well pleased rather, that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So for those who, who have died in the faith, those who are saints that have passed away, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have sorrow or have grief. I mean, of course, death is you know, a sad thing. We can grieve, but not in a way that that we're pitied or we have a, a pity for them. We know where they're going. We know that they're in the presence of the Lord. We should rejoice in that. But the scripture says in here in verse 10, it says, but weep bitterly for him who goes away and shall not return into his land anymore. For the one who, who goes away, the one who walks away from the Lord that, and, and shall not return anymore, that's the one who we should be weeping for. That's the one who we should have, have uh, burdened hearts for. For the one who walks away, the one who knows the truth and walks away and, and walks away in disobedience and has no regard for God. We should have a burden for those. We should pray for those people. I mean, it's sad to say that there are those that have came to the faith and for some reason or another they have been pulled away by the, the cares of this life or just the things of this world. 
And we should pray for those. We should continue to, to, to persevere in prayer for them. That we should weep. We should have a burden on our heart for them. I mean, you never know. The Lord may use you in that situation to, to draw him, them back to the Lord. I mean, just be faithful to what God has called you to do. Be obedient to what God has called you to do. Represent him rightly that your light may shine so that others may see your good works and they will glorify your Father in heaven. That should seek to be our desire and our goal. Let's continue to do that so that we, won't, that we, can, we, that we would have that burden for the lost and that we would seek to draw them back to fellowship with God. But, I mean, in the text here, it says, Read bitterly for him who goes away, for he shall not return no more to see his land. He's talking of a specific person. As we read in, through the next verses, it, it demonstrates who it is. In verse 11, it says, For thus says the Lord concerning Shalom, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, who reigned instead of, his, of Josiah, his father, and who went away from this place. He shall return here no more, but in the place where, he ha- where they have carried him captive, there he shall die, and he shall never see this land again. <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> they, uh, he said he shall never see this land again. So it's, it's him that they're speaking of. That It's a shalom that, that, that they should weep for, that goes away and shall never see his land again. And shalom also, he has a, he was the son of Josiah, and he was actually the king of Judah. And he was actually known as the name of uh, Jehoaz. He, when he entered his kingship, he took on the name Jehoaz. So when we read in Scripture, other words, in the book of Kings and things like that, he's talking of Jehoaz, it's speaking of this king here. And he was actually the king that, that reigned for three, for three months. He did evil, was in the sight of the Lord. He did what was contrary to his father and what his father did. His father walked in righteousness, and he went the other way. He led the people into idolatry. He lived, he lived a perverse life. And because of that, the Lord judged him. The Lord disciplined him. The Lord sent uh, Pharaoh Necho into the land and, and subdued him and took him out of the land. And he, went, he was one of the first kings who died in, the, in, the, in, the, in, in exile. He's the one who died in the place that they carried, away, they carried him away to, which is what the text says here, that they have carried him captive, and there she, he shall die, and he shall never see the land again. And as we continue through, uh, through verse, sorry, to verse... 11, I mean, sorry, verse 13, it says, Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice, who makes his neighbor serve him for nothing and does not give him his wage, who says, I will bind myself a great house, or I will build myself a great house, rather, with spacious upper rooms, who cuts out windows for it, paneling it with cedar and painting it with vermilion. Do you think you are a king because you compete in cedar? And in verse 13, it starts off and says, woe, woe to him who builds a house. And that word for woe is simply, uh, it's, it's, it ex- expresses grief or sorrow or a great, I'm sorry, great, uh, where am I, I'm sorry. It expresses uh, grief or sorrow and also like just a great calamity. So when he says woe to him, he's expressing a, a woe and, or grief to those, the, the person who builds his house by unrighteousness. I mean, Anything that's done in righteousness, uh, we spoke of before, anything that's done in, in unrighteousness, any works that seeks to be done or accomplished in unrighteousness will be brought to nothing. And it'll be brought to nothing. He says, uh, Woe to him who builds his house by unrighteousness and his upper rooms by injustice and makes his neighbor serve him for nothing and does not, and, and does not give him his wages. He says, I will build myself a great house with, with spacious upper rooms and who cuts, down, cut, cuts out windows for it paneling it with cedar and painting it with vermilion. And vermilion, in my translation, I'm on the ESV translation, vermilion is just, it's another word for scarlet, like it's, uh, it's a red color that they would paint the inside of their houses with. 
So when he says, um, when, he, when he speaks of this, it just, I don't know, it reminds me of myself and just how I, I chose to, to live my life before Christ. How I was just seeking to build everything in and of myself. How I was seeking to build my house, build my, my life, build my success, just to plan everything out. But I was doing it all in, in unrighteousness because it wasn't in the Lord. It wasn't to glorify God. And anything that's not of the Lord is, is in unrighteousness. It's, it's done in, in vain. And when I tried to do these things, when I tried to build my house, when I tried to create spacious upper rooms for myself, you know, establish myself as, as a young, successful individual, it all failed. I mean, even when I, when I received somewhat success, like, I still wasn't satisfied. It still wasn't something that, that caused me to, to have pleasure or to, to be fulfilled. I was still lacking something. And we see, just as here, when, when, you, when you do things in unrighteousness, when you seek to build in unrighteousness, it won't fulfill Nothing that we do in unrighteousness is not fulfilling. The only things that we do in and of the Lord, anything that's, that's worth substance will be of the Lord. And the Lord will bless it because we're doing it to, to glorify him. And when we seek to do these things, God is glorified. And we can, we can know that he will establish us. We know that our foundation is sure because our foundation is Christ. Our foundation is the Lord. So when we read, um, when we read here... Through, uh, through 15, he says, do you, do you think you are a king because you compete in cedar? <laughs> I think it's funny how you ask him the question, do you think you're a king? Do you think you're who you are because of the things that you have or the things that you do? That's a question that I feel the Lord posed to me. Do you think you're where you're at because, because of the things that you have or the things that you do or the things that you're a part of? You're, you're where you're at, the Lord speaking to me, is, is because I put you there, and I can take it all away. As easy as I was able to give it to you, it's as easy as I can take it away from you. And that the short moment when the Lord did take it away, me, or what, take it away from me, it really showed me, like, wow, God is powerful. He can do that. He can just take everything out of your life. And it wasn't until I just completely submitted to God, just gave everything over to him. Whatever I had, whatever I thought I had, just, here, Lord, take it. and Do, what you, do with it with, as you please. And when I did that, I really felt the joy of the Lord, and I really could see that the Lord was glorified. And ever since then, I seek to, to just to glorify the Lord with my life, to be obedient, to represent him rightly, to, to stick to the word. So um, he continues on. He says uh, in verse, the latter parts of verse 15, he says, Did not your father eat and drink and do justice and righteousness? Then it was well with him. He judged the cause of the poor and the needy, and then it was well. Is this not to know me, declares the Lord? But you have... But you have your eyes and your heart only for dishonest gain and for shedding innocent blood and for practicing oppression and violence. <laughs> I like how the Lord poses questions here to, just to prove a point. He says, did, you not father, did your father not eat and drink and do justice and righteousness and it was well with him? And when he says eat and drink there, I think of just provision, just, the, just provision. Eating and drinking is, you know, stuff that we need. The Lord provided for King Josiah, the righteous king, the father of this man here who was unrighteous. And when he did righteousness or when he... When he when he was living in righteousness, and as he walked in justice, and as he had upheld justice, the Lord prov- provided for him. And we can know the same thing, that when we live righteous lives, when we seek to obey God, when we seek to glorify God with our lives, he'll provide for us. We may not have, you know, the most lavish houses or the most abundant lifestyle, but we will have what we need. We'll have the clothes on our back. We'll have the food on the table. We'll have everything that we need when we're in the Lord, when we're seeking to obey him, when we're seeking to live in his will. He says, um, then it was well with him when he lived in righteousness. And he did everything that the king was supposed to do. He judged the cause of the poor and judged the cause of the needy, and then it was well. And that's what it means to know the Lord. I like that question in the last part of verse 16. Is not this to know me, declares the Lord? And we know in, uh, that Jesus posed a similar statement 
in John 14, 23, he says, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching and my father will love him and, and we will come to him and make our home with him. And that's a promise that, that we can hold on to. If we love the Lord, then we'll seek to obey him and the father will come, with, come to us and he'll make our home. He'll make everything that we need. He'll make our establishment. He'll make our, our dwelling place. Obey God and you won't have to worry about making your own home or creating your own establishment or creating your, whatever it is that you desire in your life. But if you obey God, he'll make it your home for you. He'll provide for you. He'll direct your steps. He'll guide your path. As we, can, as we see in, uh, in verse 17, that the Lord, he says, but your, your eyes or your, you, uh, sorry, but you have eyes and heart only for dishonest gain and for shedding innocent blood and for practicing oppression and violence. The Lord sees his, uh, it's just, it's cool to see that the Lord sees what, what an individual is focusing on. He, he sees what the individual is seeking to do. He, he sees his heart. He sees his eyes. The Lord sees what we're focusing on. He sees the heart. While we may, you know, portray an image outwardly, while we may portray things that we seek to do for the Lord, the Lord, he judges by the heart. He sees our, our inward actions. So even if you are a part of, you know, a Bible study or a part of ministry, make sure that your heart is right with the Lord, that you're seeking to do it out of a right heart. You're seeking to do it out of obedience, out of love, not because you, you just you want to be seen as this way. You want to be seen as holy or want to be seen as righteous. Let's continue into, into verse 18, and we'll go through uh, verse 23. Therefore, thus says the Lord concerning Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, they shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, brother, or ah, sister. They shall not lament for him, saying, Ah, Lord, or ah, his majesty. With the burial of a donkey, he shall be buried, dragging, dragged and dumped beyond the, the gates of Jerusalem. Go up to Lebanon and cry out. Lift up your voice in Bashan and cry out in Aber. Abram, for your lovers, for all your lovers are destroyed. I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said I will not listen. This has been your way from your youth, that you have not obeyed my voice. The wind shall shepherd all your shepherds, and your lovers shall go into captivity. Then you will be ashamed and confounded, because all of your evil inhabited of Lebanon, nested among your cedars. How will you be pitied how you will be pitied when pangs come upon you? Pains is a woman in labor. And we see the Lord dealing with another king, the king Jehoiakim, as he did unrighteously. And he, he perished himself. He died. He was judged by the Lord. And he said and then in verse 18 that there shall, they shall not lament for him. They shall not cry for him, saying, ah, brother, or ah, sister. They, shall, they won't cry for him or lament for him or grieve for him as they would a family member. And they wouldn't even cry for him or, or grieve for him as they would a king, saying, ah, Lord, or ah, his majesty. But he'll have the burial of a donkey that it would be similar to like a, a donkey being buried. Like, who cares about a donkey being buried? They wouldn't care for him. He says, he says to them, go up to, to Lebanon and cry out and lift up your voice in Bashan and cry out from Arabim. And these places, they're just all high places. He's saying, go, you know, do whatever you can. The, the, the people are trying to do whatever they can. They're going up to the high places, trying to get as close to God so that, they would, so that God would hear them. And it's cool to know that for us as, as New Testament Christians that we don't need to go to a high place to cry out to God or, or to, to see devastation to cry out to God. We can go directly to our Father. We can go in the name of Christ by the Holy Spirit into the presence of the Lord and, and just to cry out to him. And we can know that he, we, we are heard. He says, I spoke to you in your prosperity, but you said I will not listen. This has been the way from your youth that you have not obeyed my voice. And it's, it's sad to see that 
I look back on my life before I came to Christ, like even in my prosperity, even when I was doing well, like I, I knew that the Lord was speaking to me. I just, just random people would come up and like shout something to me like, God bless you. Or, you know, someone would share the gospel with me. The Lord was chasing me, but I, you know, I didn't want to hear the voice of the Lord. And it's, it's easy when we're caught up in unrighteousness and we're caught up in sin to, 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 to dole out the voice of the Lord and to not listen. You know, I'm doing all right right now. God, I don't need you right now. But when those times come, when the Lord brings you to your knees, you have to cry out to him. And it's good to know that we have a God that loves us enough to that even when we get to that point, when, we have, when he has to drop us to our knees, that he will still hear us and he will still honor our prayers. He'll still hear, he'll hear us because of the righteousness of Christ and what he's done for us. He says uh, in, 20, in 22 that the wind shall shepherd all your shepherds and your lovers shall go into captivity. And then you will be ashamed and confounded because of all your evil. O inhabitant of Lebanon, nested among your cedars, how will you be pitied when the pangs come upon you as pangs of a woman in labor? When he's talking of the shepherds, the shepherds of the king were those that were given false prophecies, false assurance. They weren't speaking the truth. They weren't, they weren't founded on the word. They weren't founded on a solid foundation. That's why he says the wind will, will blow them away. We need to be those that represent God in a right way, that our foundation is sure, so that when the wind comes, that we, we stand firm, that as shepherds or as, as guiders of the people, as God's people, as God's representatives, we won't be you know, blown away or, or moved off of our, off our foundation. He says, your lover shall go into captivity, and you will, you will be ashamed and confounded. Uh, he's speaking to the king. Like, as when the king, his lovers were, you know, the idolatry, the things that he placed before God, and the things that, that he placed before God, he was ashamed of. And just looking back, I mean, I'm, I keep going back to my own life before I came to the Lord, just because that's my representation of, of disobedience to God. And before I knew the Lord, my disobedience, when I, when I recognized, even when I look back at it now, the things I used to do, it's like, man, I'm ashamed. I'm like... I don't even want to share the things that I've done before I came to the Lord because I'm ashamed because of all my evil. Similar to just how the Lord says, you will be ashamed of your evil. So better to live in righteousness and not to be ashamed. Better to honor the Lord and be obedient so that we not be ashamed, so that we can represent him rightly at all times. Um, and he says that you'll be pitied as in when pains come upon a woman. Just like when, when pains come up upon a woman, it's nothing they can do to, to stop it. Like when a woman is in birth, they can't stop, you know, the, you know obviously you guys know, they, they can't stop the pains. They can't stop the, what's going on. And just as when you're in sin, when you're, when you're being judged of the Lord, you, you're not going to be able to stop it. The Lord is in control. You, just have to, you have to sit there and take it. You have to endure. But, I mean, the promise for us through Christ is that we can endure all things. That even when the Lord tests test us and puts us through trials, it's to, it's to grow our faith and to strengthen our faith. And so we walk with him in a, in a greater way. So let's continue as we read through verse 24. It says, and I, as I live, declares the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, were a signet ring on my hand, yet I would tear you off and give you into the hand of those who seek your life, into the hand of those of whom you are afraid, even into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hand of the Chaldeans. I will hurl you and the mother who bore you into, the, into another country where you were not born, and there you shall die. But to the land to which they will long to return, they shall not return. Is this man, Kaniah, a despised, broken pot, a vessel who no one cares for? Why are, why are he and his children hurled and cast into a land that they do not know? O land, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, write this man down as a childless man. Who does not succeed in his days, for none of his offspring shall succeed in sitting on the throne of David and ruling in, Ju- in Judah. And so we hear, see again of another judgment on, on one of the other sons of Josiah, which is Coniah, or it's, it's really short for Jokaniah. So as you read the Old Testament, as you read through Kings and, and Chronicles, um, that's who he's speaking of here. And he says that just as he was a signal on his right hand, just as Coniah, the king, was a representation of, of God or representing God. Just as he was supposed to be seen as a representation of God, 
God has no, he has no problem with, uh, with disciplining them and bringing them under the yoke of Nebuchadnezzar, bringing them under those that he fear, just so that he would show them that he is God. And God will do the same for us. He will discipline us. He will bring us under things that we fear so that, that we can recognize that he is all-powerful, that he is God, and that he is mighty, and that we should worship him. We should obey him. And he says, uh, is this man Kaniah in verse 28, a despised, broken pot, a vessel no one cares for? And that's the question, like, yes, is, is he a pot? Is he something that no one cares for? No, the Lord cares for him. And because the Lord cares for him, he will discipline him. But we see that the, the outcome of Kaniah, he does not repent. He doesn't turn from his ways. He doesn't turn from his disobedience. And because of that, he's, he's, cast, he's cast out. And he asks, why is, why is his children hurled and cast and why into a land that they do not know? It's because of his disobedience. It's because of his disobedience that, that they were cast out. It's because of our disobedience that causes us to, to, to see judgment or to see discipline in our lives. Not to say that everything that we go through is because an act that we've done or because of something we've done wrong. God is sovereign. We know that. We know that God is in control of all things. But at the same time, being disobedient, it doesn't justify, it doesn't allow a just God to, to want to give you good things. Like we go back to the illustration of a father. A father loves his, his obedient son and wants to, to bless his obedient son, but he also loves his disobedient son and will discipline him just to, to bring him into a right standing, to bring him into a, in a way of correction so that he will, he will see his faults and that he will turn from those faults and, and walk in a way that's righteous, in a way that will obey the Lord. And it says uh, in verse 30, Thus says the Lord, write this man down as childless, a man who shall not succeed in his days. For none of his offspring shall succeed in sitting in the throne of David and ruling again in Judah. So it says, the Lord says to make a note of this. Write this man down as childless. And to be childless was to be unprosperous and to not have anything of wealth. And if, you, if an individual, if you are in sin and you choose not to turn from your sin, the Lord will, will discipline you. And if you continue to, to go in the ways of, of unrighteousness and to walk into a way that, that is not right with the Lord, to continue to, to just to harden your ear, to, to, to harden your heart, to not repent, the Lord will discipline you. And it's good that we can see examples in Scripture of men that were disciplined, that did the, the wrong thing, and we can learn from their mistakes. And the Lord gives us opportunity time and time again to repent, to turn to him, to walk with him with greater strength, with greater further, greater, greater desire, and just to, to know him in a greater capacity. And the more and more we're, we're true to the word, the more and more we're obedient to what he's called us to do, the more and more we, we seek to know his word as if we've written it ourselves, to hide it in our hearts, to be obedient to God's word. We will see the things that he has for us. We'll see his blessings. We will see the things that he wants to do in our lives. And it's not because of anything that we do. I mean, I know I say the things that he wants to do in our lives, but it's not the things we do. It's because of what he's done for us. It's because Christ. I mean, in the last verse, it talks about that none of his sons will sit on the throne of, of David. And the throne of David goes back to the covenant promise of the Davidic covenant, that there will be a king sitting on the, on the, on the throne of David. And we know and we see that to be Christ. Christ is king. Christ reigns in our lives. Christ is ruler over our lives, over this world. He's the one who created it. He's the one who made this whole thing spin and float. He designed you. He designed me. And he designed us to know him, to glorify him, to live lives that would glorify him so that people would see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. So let's seek to be people that represent God rightly, that represent God properly, that are obedient to his word. And when we do fall, get up and walk forward with God. Walk in, walk in the newness of life that he's given you. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. You don't have to be in bondage to sin. You don't have to disobey God anymore. You can walk right. You can walk upright with God. You can walk with him in, with a greater desire. He's given you the power. He's given you the power of the Holy Spirit. You have God dwelling in you. You can have the power to overcome anything that's in your life. If you just seek to be obedient, to know God, know his word, 
live lives that would be pleasing to him. I mean, that's what he's called us to do, to be disciples. If we love him, we'll keep his commandments. Let's be that. Let's love him. Let's pray. Father, we just, we thank you for your word. We thank you for who you are. You love us. Even when we are disobedient, you love us. Well, Lord, I pray that each here, each person here would seek to just commit in their hearts to obey you in every area of their lives, Lord, even when it's hard, that they would look to your spirit for strength to overcome areas where we may struggle in, Lord, and that you would just do a, a great work in our lives, that we can just look at the things that you're doing and just glorify you, and that others would glorify you, and that we would be true disciples, that we would be true representatives, followers of Christ, living a life that would truly glorify you, not just in word, not that we would just be hearers of the word, not just memorizers of the word, but that we would do your word and live it out faithfully. So we thank you, Father. I pray that you would be with each of these here as they go their way. We thank you and we love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Man, that was a lot of info. So much life application within that. But the one thing that stood out for me was representing Jesus. It's so important. Representing Christ, how each of us represents Jesus. They'll know that you're my disciples by your love for one another. And it's so important that we we represent Christ to the fullest because as you can see in verse 9 of that chapter, it talks about this covenant that God gave, but yet they forsook it. Now, if you jump over to Genesis uh, 17, verse 10, it talks about the very first covenant that God made with his people, which was circumcision. That's how everyone will know that these are God's people, by, phys- by the physical circumcision. But then as you jump over to Romans chapter 2, verse 29, it talks about circumcision, but not a physical one. A spiritual one, the one that is circum- the, the, the circumcision that ha- takes place within your heart. And that's what Jesus has accomplished for us. You see, it's all about how you represent Christ. It's all about how people look at you. When people saw, the, saw God's, or when people saw these, these, just these people that were circumcised, they knew that these people were different back in the Old Testament. Now, for us, we are circumcised spiritually within our hearts. Then that means we need to show the heart. We need to show the love because God is love, right? And so, man, it's so important that you represent Christ. How do you represent Christ? Well, you read his word, obviously. You get to know him. If I were to hang out with Aaron all the time, obviously, I would... I would not become Aaron, but be like-minded, be more, or I would have the attributes and the characteristics of Aaron. And then people would say, man, you remind me of Aaron because you talk about this or you, you, when you say these lines or when you quote this or you say that, you remind me of Aaron. 
likewise, when you hang out with God, when you, when you read His Word, the same attributes will apply to your life. There's something different about you. What is it about you? Wait, wait, wait. You're, you're not going to gossip about her after I just spilled the beans? What, who are you? What are you? Wait, wait. You're, you're going to pay for my gas after I wronged you? What's that all about? What's so, what's, what's so different about you? When, when people can see a differentness in you, that means they see something more than just you. They see something more than just you back there. Or you, Dion. They don't see Dion. They see something more. And so... Let's live that life. Let's, let's go out there and represent Christ. Represent what He's done for you. He has circumcised your heart. He has given you life in that abundantly. And that's the only way to represent Him. is by doing what the Word tells us to do. Love others. Love God and love others. Those are the two greatest commandments that God or pretty much... John talks about which God has given word to John, the Apostle John. And so, man, apply this life application to your life. This was so, just so much of it. I was back there like, yeah, bring it on. Give me some more. That's amazing. Like, did you hear how much reference Aaron just threw out there? Man, it's so much. So much reference that would characterize these people and then also show you how to be the opposite person of this tribe going up that of this of this people in Jeremiah twenty one or twenty two. And so man, live life for God, represent him in the correct way. If you're doing something that's gonna stumble someone, you cut it off. Right? The apostle Paul tells us that. So if there's some of you out here that go clubbing, stop clubbing. If there's some of you out here that, oh, well, I have liberty in Christ and so I drink. Well, maybe you might want to think about that twice next time you buy a beer or you're at the bar. But I got, uh, but I'm free in Christ, man. I have liberty to smoke cigarettes like it's okay. Think about that twice. What if Pastor Greg walked by? What would happen? I wasn't smoking cigarettes. I, that's not my beer on the table. Oh, I went to the club to, to, to go witnessing. Yeah, I went with my brother because he needs to know God. And so I was partaking of the same thing. And so I had to, you know, be in the same place as him and, you know, no. Represent Christ. What would he do? Yeah, I know that Jesus hung out with the tax collectors, prostitutes, with all these with all these sinful men. That's right. Yeah, he did. He did hang out in the world. But did he partake of what they were doing and said it was right? No. So therefore, we must represent that. I don't care if you go to a restaurant and you're at a bar and 
and you're just, you know, whatever with your family or whatever. But, but the minute you partake of drinking beer or smoking or entering a club and start getting, you know, down on the dance floor and all that fun stuff, the minute you start partaking of these acts, watch out. Someone's watching because someone can, can come up to you and say, man, hey, don't you go to Harvest? Yeah. Yeah. I get it all the time when I'm working at the mall. Hey, don't you go to Harvest? And so me, knowing when people see me, I have to obviously represent Christ even more. I just can't be leaning on the counter or I can't, I can't be doing things that are just going to make me look like a lazy bum or a, or a non-believer or whatnot. I need to, I need to, re, I need to present Christ for who he is and what he does. And who he speaks of himself about. And so therefore, hey, I know a lot of pastors or whatever, they might, there's a lot of pastors out there that will, you know, kind of iffy, you know, kind of not give you the direct answers to, oh, yeah, you're free in Christ and yeah, it's okay if you drink wine, you know, the Jews do it, it's okay. Or, man, you're supposed to be in the world, so it's okay if you do a little bit of this and that. Hey, I'm here to tell you, no, no. Yes, you're free in Christ. I, I will say that to the fullest. In Romans chapter 7, you are set free from sin. And are those things sin? No, they're not sin. But my whole point, and I'll wrap it up right now, is how you represent Christ. It doesn't matter if it's sin. It doesn't matter if it's there and you can do it or if you have the liberty to do it or if you're free to do it. It doesn't matter. You can do whatever you want. It's how you represent Christ. By you doing this, can someone see Jesus in your eyes? Can someone see Jesus in your life? Let's just put it that way. If I were to come up here and take a beer and say, Hey, guys, cheers, and guzzled it down, would you respect me? Would you see Jesus in me? Half of you, all of you, I hope, would, I hope you guys would stone me, you know, because it's not the representation that Christ represents for us. So therefore, represent him. Just like Aaron says, man, read the word, apply the word to your life, and live the word out. That's what we're here to do, to glorify who? Him. That's the only way you're going to glorify God, by reading the Word, by living the Word. Amen? Amen.